This episode is brought to you by our partners at Blossom and Workplace Law. Welcome to the Female Athlete Project, Season 2. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm an Olympic gold medalist in Rugby Sevens and I'm now playing for the GWS Giants in the AFLW. I started TFAP to share the stories of incredible female athletes and to address the gender inequalities that exist within the sports media space. We want to change that story and we're all about making news and highlights of women's sport easily accessible across our platforms. Our hope is that more female athletes will become household names and in turn enable the next generation of young kids to pick up a ball, racket, bat, board, whatever they want to pick. Gretel Boetta, formerly Gretel Tippett, is an incredible athlete. Since making her WNBL debut in 2010 at the age of 17, she's packed in plenty of highlights. WNBL seasons, three junior world championships in basketball, and then a switch to netball. 2013 saw an opportunity to play with the Queensland Firebirds, get selected in the Australian under-21 team, and then make a move to the New South Wales Swifts before eventually returning home to Queensland. The Australian Diamonds call-up came in the 2018-19 season, which was a peach of a season for Gretel. She was named in the Super Netball Team of the Year and in 2019 was awarded the Liz Ellis Diamond, the most prestigious annual award in Australian netball, given to the player judged the best in both domestic and international netball throughout the calendar year. But potentially her greatest highlight was still to come. Gretel married Nico Buetta in 2020 and they welcomed son Bobby into the world in January this year. Gretel is now back on the court with an extra little fan cheering on from the stands. Just a little side note, Bobby was sitting on Gretel's lap for some of this interview and I got quite distracted by his very adorable cheeks. So you might hear a few noises from him, including a very cute baby sneeze. I hope you enjoy this episode. Gretel Boetta, welcome to the Female Athlete Project. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. I'm looking forward to having a chat. I thought I'd um, kick us off by taking it back to your childhood. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're like as a little kid um, growing up in a, in a pretty sporty family and how that all started for you? Yeah, so I grew up with two older brothers um, and I just wanted to do whatever they were doing. So they chose basketball, so which meant I chose basketball. Um, and we used to play Saturday rep and just play whenever we got home from um, school. We'd just play out the back, three on three, two on two, whoever <laughs> was in the neighbourhood at the time and absolutely loved it. But I could only join if I was good enough. So I sat on the sidelines <laughs> for a while <laughs> just watching. Um, and then finally got they let me join in. But, no, it was good, good fun. How did that kind of go from, like, mucking around with the brothers to then – like taking basketball pretty seriously? Yeah, I think, um, oh, I just, I loved it so much and I, I wanted to, I think when you love something, you want to be as good as it as possible. And I think I was just talking about this the other day. I used to look up to NBA players because that's who my brothers looked up to. And it never really occurred mm. to me that I would never be able to play in the NBA as a female <laughs> <laughs> until I um, got pretty serious with it at 14, 15. And then I would watch college basketball and I used to watch Candace Parker. She's still playing. Um, she's so my good. all-time favourite player. Yeah. So um, it's really cool now thinking that when Bobby, grows up or if we have a daughter that she'll have female athletes to look up to as well. 
yeah, it's so cool to see the way that that's changing. Even like watching the WNBA and I know when um, like with the college basketball thing that recently happened, how the girls hardly had any access to gym equipment. Like I think there's been pretty massive changes that are happening because people are just calling that stuff out these days. hundred percent. It's so good now. It's um, slowly tra- starting to change. So you started playing in the WNBL for the AIS um, and what was that? You were still pretty, pretty young at that point. What was that experience like for you getting to play, I guess, against fully grown adults and, and pretty decent sized women? Yeah, I think I was itching to move to the AIS. I know mum would always pull me back. Um, I think they asked me to go at 15 and mum was like, no, you're too young. Um, mm. And so at 16, I was like, right, I'm ready to go, mum. And she's like, okay, I can't stop you this time. So I spent year 12 living in Canberra at the AIS and we had, we played, um, yeah, in the WNBL as a young, young team. And I remember our second game was against um, Lauren Jackson and she was, (laughs) she was my um, idol, obviously. And we, I think we lost by 70 points (laughs) and I just couldn't get over Yeah, I couldn't get over how strong she was. Like there was just no no real matchup really. She just could just use her strength against us and she was so skilled and I was just like, right, like so that's the level that you gotta get to and um it was pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome to experience that I suppose and know that that's that's the goal, obviously. Um but yeah, it was a big learning curve and we used to train really hard and um we had under seventeen worlds in the middle of that year while I was down there um, in France. So that mm-hmm. was cool to go and play other girls your age um, in another country and um, experience that and see where you were as an athlete and as a team. And we got seventh there and then we had a, the next WNBL season to prepare for. So um, I started playing in that and then I got a little bit homesick and um, a little bit run down having you don't get much break when you live down there. You're an athlete. <laughs> 24-7 and mm. I was used to living in Queensland and doing a bit of sport and going to the beach and having a bit of a <laughs> bless you, Bobby. <laughs> having a bit of a um cruisier lifestyle. So it all caught up with me at the end of that year and I chose to move home and that's when I um found myself with the Logan Thunder WNBL team. So um I really mm-hmm. enjoyed my time there as well. I used to play basketball. I, I sat on the bench a lot for the Flames in the WNBL and I um, grew up playing for New South Wales and, and New South Wales Metro. And I was thinking about the other day, I'm, I'm in a group chat um, with some basketball girls still. No way. And I remember that there was a girl from Queensland who everyone said could dunk it. Oh. Was that- <laughs> What could you dunk it? Was that were the there was so true? much hype? I was so embarrassed. Um, <laughs> I think my brothers like filmed me doing it one time and put it up, and then it was hardly a dunk either. I think I just grabbed the rim and like placed the ball mm. in. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we got pretty excited over it, and I think yeah, it's funny, but there was a lot of hype, and it wasn't very very good. <laughs> <laughs> still counts. Still counts. <laughs> So you, in 2011, were WNBL Rookie of the Year um, and had played at three junior world champs by that point, I guess kind of at the pinnacle of your junior career at that level. Um, And then early in 2012, made the decision to transition to netball. How did you come to make that decision and and what what were the factors that contributed to that? Yeah, so I... um, I 
got glandular fever probably in 2019 in April after a tour to China. We're preparing for 2000, 2011 um, under-19 Worlds and I'd played the, the Worlds four years prior to that as a 15, 16-year-old. So this was a big tournament for me um, and I remember mm. with Bri- Brianna Stewart who's like a gun in the WNBA at the moment. She was um, yeah. We first her in under seventeens, and she was like the big dog of the USA team, and it was um, yeah, big tournament. And I knew I wanted to, I wanted us to go really well, and um, wanted to see what other girls were like at that age. And it was kind of like the age where you go into college afterwards. So um, yeah, and then having got glandular fever, I struggled through that through that tournament because um, it's a pretty gruelling tournament. I think it's like so many games in 11 days or something, 11 games in 11 mm. days or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, and after that tournament I had, took a month off because I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I've had it. And then I tried to start back. I played, I think, two weeks in of WNBL with Logan Thunder and I was just spent after every game and I just remember being like, I'm, I'm struggling to even get through a training session. I'm not enjoying this anymore. I think I need to mm. stop. I'm not playing good basketball or the basketball that I want to because I'm just exhausted and I haven't let my body fully recover from this virus. Um, so that's when I took three months off and just did full-time uni. Uh, mm. And then I didn't – because I – that was around the time where I'd picked out four colleges and we're going to go spend 48 hours in every college um, with oh, my parents wow. and then fly back. So I had Louisville, UConn, um, Duke and Cal Berkeley picked out because Cal wasn't yeah. a very good basketball school, but it was similar to growing up on the Gold Coast. And then yeah. I remember the, oh, what's his name? I should know, the UConn um, coach who's the US basketball women's coach, yeah, Gino. Um, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He called me and I remember my brother freaking out on the um, veranda being like, no way. And I got off the phone and I was like, oh, I still don't really, I can't, I don't know if I can commit to four years overseas. And um, I just remember him shaking his head and couldn't believe it because now looking back, I was like, that was a pretty cool opportunity. But um, I just wasn't in the right headspace. I was so exhausted from the sport and I think I just needed a break. So... I um, pulled out like a week before we were supposed to fly out to America with mum and dad and just said I just needed a break from the sport. So, um, yeah, it's crazy to think looking back now that I chose to do that 10 years later. But um, Mm. I think I told mum she looked after us kids too well because I just couldn't spare the thought of being – I just moved back from the AIS and I was like home is so good and then I was like, oh, Mm. the thought of four years away again, I just couldn't fathom it. But, um. Yeah, so I took a break and then in, in February I just took up social netball to keep fit in 2012 just to be like I miss team sport. My body feels pretty good again. I want to start exercising again. Um, and then kind of the next day after I, I trialled for like a um, district team just to play every Thursday night with my friend and I didn't make it. I was so bad. Um, I was because I, I would step every time I got the ball and they'd be like, who's this girl from basketball? Like doesn't know the rules, is taking the ball out of girls' hands. Like I was just so raw. <laughs> just ripping it out of the hands. Yeah. And then the next day the state league coach called me and was like, we heard you went to trials. Would you like to play 
the Gold Coast State League team and I was like, well, I didn't make the district team. I don't know why you want me. (laughs) Mm. But um, anyway, they persevered with me and, yeah, kind of went from there. I was thinking back to this, I guess, this idea of transitioning sports and trying something completely new where you don't know the rules. So I probably had a similar experience when I went from rugby to AFL and I grew up in Sydney not watching a whole lot of footy. And so I didn't didn't even know the rules really when I went down to Carlton and, and tried to play. And I, I watched this vision of me like in my first VFL game and I thought I was doing okay. And I watched the vision recently. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like you had absolutely no clue what you were doing out there. Um, what, what was that experience like for you doing something completely new where you didn't even know the rules? Yeah, I think, again, I hated the hype. Like there was all this talk, a basketballer, going to netball I remember the Gold Coast Bulletin was there and I just remember reading it the next day being like not so fairy tale start for Gretel I was like oh classic play on the name but also it wasn't a fairy tale start I got 13 air balls because there was no backboard (laughs) the ball was so light (laughs) and I stepped five times it was awful our team obviously lost and I was just like what am I doing why am I trying to play I, I originally tried to play this for fun and this isn't fun I'm awful but um Mm. Yeah, something just made me love it. I think the girls that I was playing with are really supportive and um, the coach was really supportive and put a lot of time into helping me improve every week. And, yeah, I'm just really thankful now. Paula, the coach um, that I had at the time, she's still around netball and I still am so grateful for her to this day and that what she what she helped me um, with in that first year because, yeah, looking back, no, no good. <laughs> <laughs> I often find when like people, I guess say would like look at your career, it's kind of like you transition to netball and then now you're killing it. You play for the diamonds. You've been in the Suncorp super netball for X number of years, but like what, how long did it take you to get to that point where you started to achieve some success? And what was that? What was that process like for you? Like, were you so determined that you wanted to be the best? So you were kind of like, Oh, this is a natural fit. We'll kind of see where it goes from here. That's a good question actually. Cause I think, when you first start out, you're like, okay, I was just saw it as a huge challenge and I was like, this is a big challenge, but I just, something makes me want to keep keep trying to be that little bit better every training session and I think because mm. I knew I had a long way to go, it was kind of exciting. Um, so I just kind of gave myself a good year um, to give it everything. I said I'm going to sacrifice a lot like um, just to see how I go and. I remember that was I went to under 21 nationals in March 2020 2012 as like a, a newly um, I don't even know how I made that Queensland team I think because of my height they just put me in goal shooter and was like just stand there and we'll throw the ball to you but <laughs> so I was like okay went there really raw and I saw what level I had to be at and I was no near, nowhere near that level and um, I gave myself a year because I had I was eligible to play under 21s again next year. So I was like, I'll give myself a year, try and go back to nationals and see what happens. So in that year, I just Mm. trained really hard and tried to get my head around what skills was required, fasten up my footwork, obviously work on my shooting. Um, And then, yeah, Mm. the, that next year I um, got scouted and got my first contract with the New South Wales Swifts, the coach was at the nationals and saw me and that's where opportunities kind of came. But, um, it was that, 
that main year of just putting your head down and working really hard and training hard and um, I'm glad I gave myself that year because if I gave myself three months or something, it wouldn't have worked. You needed a good year to give it a good crack, I think. <laughs> what was that like comparing your first year with the Swifts um, compared to what it was like in the WNBL? Do you notice many differences between the two? I think um, at that time we were we had well, trans-Tasman, so we had five Australian teams, five New Zealand teams, so we're travelling a lot. Um, and WNBL, you play a lot of games. You play like you go for weekends and you play like double headers on a weekend, whereas mm-hmm. um, with netball I found it a bit more professional probably in the way that they did things, but it was less games, um, only 14 games a season. And then, yeah, so it, it was different. I enjoyed both. I think netball in a way had more support around it. Um, and But WNBL, just, they just got on with it. Like you just travel, you play, you train hard, mm. you go to the next place. You don't really kind of mm. question it. Whereas in, in netball, I think you're yeah, very much more supported. Um, that might just be because a few years later, Things have changed as well. It could be the same WBL now. Um, But, yeah, I think in terms of training, you kind of train for the same amount of time. It's just different skills. Um, And then, yeah, probably less less time on court and more time travelling in terms of the netball-wise. Sorry, I'll just hand Bobby over. (laughs) Okay, no, all good. He's done well. He did. He's like, Mum, I'm sick of hearing you talk all the time. (laughs) How did that progress from being kind of still a rookie um, in netball or in the ANZ Championship as, as it was back then to where you are now as considered more of a senior player who's been playing for so many years? Yeah, that's so true. I, th- I don't know how, how it happened, but all of a sudden I think you go to training and you're like one of the older ones and you're like, oh, it was just yesterday where you felt like the biggest mm-hmm. rookie and you're learning off the mm-hmm. older ones and now I was like I used to think they were so old and now I'm their age and these young girls would be looking at me like I'm I'm a grandma <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah I was I was a little bit I wasn't the most professional athlete when I first started out I remember I think I went out on the Saturday and I, I debuted for Sydney Swifts on the Monday <laughs> so um, <laughs> they don't know that until now but <laughs> I was living in Bondi with my brother and I was just, yeah, I was just um, living living my best life as a 21-year-old and I think I was Mm -hmm. just taking it all in my stride. But um, then when uh, I got pretty serious when I got the opportunity to – I signed actually originally with New South Wales Swifts for two years and then Mm -hmm. after the first year with them um, I was sitting behind a really amazing player, Susan Prattley, and um, I was like, oh, I could, I could stay here behind her or there was a bit of an opening at the Queensland Firebirds um, for that goal attack position and that's my obviously home state. So I was like, oh, that would be nice. Um, and then, mm. yeah, after that season, the Queensland Firebirds coach gave me a call actually and said, we want you um, back in your home state to play. Um, what are the chances? And I was like, oh, I'd love that. So um Moved back to Queensland, moved in with one of my really good friends, Kimmy Rav, and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when I kind of started started taking it more serious. I had um, Laura Geitz and Claire McMinimum take me under their wing and they saw potential in me and were like, all right, you gotta, 
you got to work really hard and we're really successful for those first two years and I think it kind of really went from there. But, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a journey, but, I, yeah, I loved, absolutely loved, loved the sport. I like this idea of, like, I guess those senior players when you are still younger, what do you reckon it was that you were able to learn from people like Laura Geitz, who's an icon in the sport? Yeah, I think just how she went about things. Um, she's a natural leader um, and she has this way of bringing people along with her. Um, so she demanded the very best from you, but in a way that made you feel like you could do anything under her. So she made mm. me feel like I was the best player in the world when I was still such a <laughs> raw rookie looking back. I was um, <laughs> shooting like eight goals a game and I thought I was the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was just her way of, yeah, making everyone on court um, who played underneath her, like, yeah, feel unstoppable. So it's a really special knack that she had and still to this day I um I, I'm in contact with her and obviously she commentates our games now and she was one of my bridesmaids but yeah I'm just always forever grateful for her because I think she helped me believe in in myself I love that because I think you can probably have it go both ways with like whether it's a leader or a coach in that role kind of that idea of like lifting people up, lifting your teammates up. And even if they're not the best yet, like giving them that level of confidence or you can kind of have that more like dictatorship approach where it's like, if you make a mistake, you get your head ripped off. Yeah. But I just think, I don't know. I just think there's so much power in particularly, I don't know, maybe it's more for female sports and male sports, but this idea of like giving people the confidence so that they can go out there and actually learn and have the like, opportunity to make mistakes and learn from it rather than being so nervous about making a mistake that you then actually don't learn a lot and play as you would. A hundred percent. Yeah. Giving them that freedom for sure. That's so yeah. true. Mm. I, tell me about the layup because in netball, it's like, <laughs> it's a big deal <laughs> that you do the layup, but it's probably something that you've been doing since you're a little kid out in the backyard. Um, is that for you, like, was that something as soon as you started playing that you just naturally did and, and decided to use that as a bit of a point of difference? Yeah, I guess um, it was funny because when I first started playing netball, they had to get all my bas- basketball moves out of me, which is so fair enough. <laughs> um, they were yeah. like, okay, no, yeah, no layups, no catching and shooting on like one second. You need to just like steady yourself, no running mm-hmm. on, you're going to step, all these things. And then once I got my head around all the netball rules, um, it was actually when I moved to Queensland, my coach just saw a video of me mucking around with one of my teammates doing basketball moves playing netball um and Mm. she was like I want you to bring that because that's that's where you're most comfortable I want you to bring that to the firebirds and I was like oh really and she's like yeah so Mm. that was really good because I obviously felt most natural um doing those those moves and like you said grew up doing it in my sleep you you learn layups when you're like under eights and you do them every training session until you're Mm -hmm. yeah WBL Mm -hmm. but um 
Yeah, so <laughs> when she said bring that, I was like, yes, because I get anxiety shooting the long shots. I'd rather yes. do a layup. <laughs> they look stressful. Yeah, stressful. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to overcook this like I do. I'm still mm-hmm. getting my, um, my head around this netball shot. Oh, let me do a layup. So as soon as she said do the layup, I was like, yes. And then people started, yeah, freaking out over it, which is um, hilarious. But I was just doing whatever mm-hmm. I could to get the ball in the hoop at that stage. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Tell me a little bit about what it felt like when you got to make your debut in the green and gold. Yeah, getting the call up was amazing. That feeling, you never forget it, I think. Um, representing your country is obviously the one thing that you want to do and ultimate dream. And um, I remember the family had booked, we didn't even think it was on the cards because we'd booked a family trip to Hawaii. And then when I got the call up, I was like, hang on, guys, you're going to have to reroute that. And they, they all took it really well and um, went to Christchurch for the family holiday instead and watched me on tour. So that was pretty special having the family there. And I had four of my Firebirds teammates on court with me. Um, so wow. it was a very smooth transition up, smooth debut because it felt like I was almost in the purple dress out there, which made me feel a little bit more mm. comfortable. And I actually debuted in wing attack, which I hadn't played. Yeah, I hadn't played all season in wing attack. So it was like, mm. yeah, it was, it was very special. And then one that you want to obviously try and do as much as, as possible once you get the taste of being out there in the green and gold, you just get so hungry for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to play an audio clip for you. So in 2019, you were awarded the Liz Ellis Diamond Award. Um, considered the most prestigious annual award in Australian netball. The 2019 Liz Ellis Diamond winner, she is the first person in her position to win um, the award. It's gone to a couple of defenders, not enough obviously. Over the years, a lot of mid-quarters, it's gone to a goal shooter. uh, And this year it goes to a goal attack. The winner is Gretel Tippett. What did that moment feel like for you to be recognised for everything that you've been able to achieve so far in netball? Yeah, I think it was definitely a pinch-me moment. Um, It left me a little bit speechless. I always felt like coming from basketball, I always was playing catch-up, 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 still got to be better, got to be better, got to be better. And then Mm. it wasn't even, yeah, on my mind at all. Um, I still look back at photos and I just got back from – being in Fiji, going to the villages and playing netball with the young kids and I had this shocking like tan, like sunburned tan and I didn't even have my hair or makeup done. Like it was not on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it was obviously very extremely um, special and I remember getting uh, broke. I got a bit teary on stage because um, they flew your parents in to surprise you. Um like to watch you get the award, which was really special and obviously had my husband there. And, yeah, it was just a really surreal moment. And I think obviously playing a team sport, you'd rather win a world championship or, um, yeah, win a Commonwealth Games. But to get that was was really special and, yeah. (laughs) Now for a quick halftime break. At TFAT, we're all about sharing the stories of female athletes in a way that is easy to access so that women's sport continues to grow. Our partners at Blossom are doing the same, but for your savings. They've created an easy-to-use app, and now thousands of Aussies are watching their savings grow. We all want to do more with our savings, but interest rates are low and investing is difficult. 
Blossom targets 3% per annum returns and the fund invests in fixed income for you. There are two things we really love about Blossom. One, they make ethical investments and will plant a tree when you fund your account for the first time. And two, their founder Gabby binge listens to TFAP on her morning runs. It's free to join, so sign up through the web or download Blossom in the app or Play Store. And you can get started with less than $1. Blossom is where your savings go to grow. Read more about Blossom in their PDS and FAQs at blossomout.com before getting started. Workplace Law is a law firm focused on supporting and empowering female athletes to take control of their careers. If you can't afford an agent or would like to manage your own career, Workplace Law would love to help you. They provide female athletes with guidance through the complexities of player contracts, negotiations and sponsorship agreements, personal brand building, mentoring with on and off field careers, crisis management and work with individuals to ensure they respond to incidents and media stories in an appropriate manner, and advice and representation in disciplinary hearings and tribunals. Find out more at www.workplacelaw.com.au. And then in 2020, you announced your pregnancy. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey. Was that something that you'd always wanted to do to to have a baby and, and to have a family? Yeah, I think um, my mum, she had us quite young and I knew that I wanted to to um, obviously play netball. When I started playing netball, I was like, oh, this is my goal and this is my dream. And um, I'd achieved a lot the year before. And when we got married, I was like, right, I'm so I'm so ready. <laughs> my poor husband, he's 15 months younger than me. So he was like, oh, when we get to 30, we'll, you know, think about having kids. <laughs> I kind of sprung yeah. it on him and he was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it was um yeah it was perfect timing I think Bobby's just the best and um Nico's an amazing father which really helps and it was hard to answer questions of because I had to be okay with okay I'm starting a family now I might not get back to playing the sport that I love that's just a reality and am I okay with that mm. and I was I was okay I was okay with that thought, but at the same time, I would have, I was always was like, I'd love to, I'd love to come back if my body allows me to. I'd love to. Mm. And I had a chat with him, and I was like, Would you be okay? Like, would it be okay? Would it work for us if if I went back? And he said, A hundred percent. Like, I want you're a long time retired. I want you to play for as long as you can. Um, and he's mm. like, You'll be able to do it. And I was like, Oh, we'll see. And so, yeah, the way things worked out, um, Bobby's been amazing and been fortunate enough to to get back and I knew um that round one was obviously my goal but I didn't know how everything would go but um Mm. yeah very fortunate to have achieved that and I just love being out there now I think as a mum when you get out there you don't know how long you're going to be playing um, for. So you just appreciate it so much. And obviously win, lose or draw, when you look and you see a little boy in the stands, doesn't matter, quickly snaps you out of that that um, sporting mindset. And you just, you're like, or if you have a shocker and you look over and you're like, you don't even know, you just love me. No yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. I'd love to hear about what... I guess the way the Netball Australia have approached it and, and the Firebirds as well, that process of sitting out 2020 season while you're pregnant and then also the process of trying to get through, I guess, 
would you consider it rehab after pregnancy? Like what that, what that process is to get your body back um, to be able to play again. And you've done it in, did you do it in four months? Yeah. Yeah. Just that's yeah. insane. <laughs> that's very impressive. Yeah. I think um, I did feel really supported um, when obviously when I felt pregnant, um, the way that Firebirds embraced it um, and then Netball Australia, um, the way that they embraced it and said, look, like we still want to keep you in the squad. We still want to help you come back. Um, That was something that you just, you look back and you're like, whoa, like you, because I was prepared. You don't know. um, I was prepared to just back in the day, you just get, I suppose, replaced quite quite easily and um so the way that they helped me and and fostered me um made me really determined to get back um and I felt like I could with that support so that was great and yeah the way that the support staff at Firebirds they would have oh I hate like when play team sport I just like to um, go to training and train and go back and they're like, oh, we've been having private meetings about you with all these people to help get you back. And I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Like I just want to <laughs> slide on back in there. But, um, yeah, they'll, they'll just, they just embraced it. And our strength and conditioning coach, Brindley, um, he was amazing. He was like, right, this is a new challenge for me too. I've never done this, never helped someone back into sport post-pregnancy. He's like, don't feel any pressure. My the new Firebirds coach Megs, she was like, "We don't want to pressure you to do to come back whenever you like." Um, mm. So that almost made me more determined to get back because they're like, "Look, there's no time frame on you. You just get back when when you like, whether that's at the start of the season, during the season. If you don't get back, that's totally fine." So um, yeah, and then I had Brindley got me to see um, one of the best women's health physios in Brisbane um, and my obstetrician, she's quite um, sporty. Um, when I was picking one, she um, played beach volleyball and she does triathletes now and she's had three children and I was like, oh, perfect. Like, mm. um, So Lisa, my obstetrician, was amazing and I told her of my goal and she's like, look, I, if no one shut me down and I think that's what kept me thinking, oh, I might just be able to get back. Um, yeah. which was awesome. So yeah, it was a bit of a journey. And I think I text Bryn a week after I had Bobby and I was like, I'm, I love him so much. And I think I'm going to be able to do this. Like if I can, yeah, he's, yeah, I just, yeah. A week after having him, I was like, I think I'll be able to do this. So kind of, yeah, I just feel very grateful to be back doing what I love. And I think it may, helps make me a better mom in that I go to training, I switch off from motherhood for a little bit and then I come back and I just mm. switch back on and switch off from training straight away. So, um, yeah, and he, he was good to us at the start. I don't know if it's the snoo or he was just a good sleeper, but he would have solid at least three to four-hour blocks, which would help with the sleep. Um and he would settle straight away. So I think we got very lucky. My mum keeps telling me, oh, Gretel, you just got really, a really good baby. You got really lucky, <laughs> which has helped with the transition. This is not normal. Yeah. She's like, wait till you have the second one. I was like, okay. <laughs> but no, yeah, very thankful for all the support for sure. Did you have days in that process? Because I think when you're trying to get your body back and, and the amount of change that happens 
during pregnancy in itself and childbirth to get yourself back? Did you have days where you're like, this is a bit much? I don't know if I've got this in me. I, because I have been very lucky in my career. I haven't done too much. I haven't had too many long-term injuries that have made me have to do rehab and not be in with the team. And because I'm such a social, um, I'm such a social trainer. I'm like, I get in trouble for talking at training because I'm just <laughs> talking about what they're having for dinner, you know, um, <laughs> all those things. <laughs> poor um, guts and poor Gabby, they're probably like, cradle focus. Um, but no, I just love the social aspect, obviously, of training. So when I did my rehab, it was just me and Bryn. Um, that was a bit lonely. Um, mm. I suppose, not lonely, but I was just like, oh, I just want to be with the girls and be doing what I love, but I'm going to try and get my body back. And I thought, yeah, the first few training sessions, Bryn's like, okay, we're not doing any running. We're just getting your body muscles back, you know, like just very slow mm. and steady. And I was like, okay, but... I would always try and like, oh, I feel pretty good here and try and do something and my body couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, mm. like, yeah, this is a slower process to what I thought. So um, it was very slow and steady, but I, I just, they had a 10-week program for me and they're like, do you want to see it? And I was like, no, I just want to focus on getting myself to training. And then once I'm there, I'll do it and then I'll go back mm. and I'll switch off. So as long as I got myself to training and Bobby was happy, I was happy, got myself to training, and then that kind of just took care of itself. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I saw it. I just was like, just make sure you get there, and then if you get there, you do it, then it'll just take care of yourself, and then you look back. I think after the first six back six weeks we looked back and we're like, okay, your body's come this far. This is really good. Now you've got another mm. six weeks, but you want to be here, but you can't be here. Your body's not ready for that. So you just yeah. got to wait another six weeks and just trust the process. So I just focus on rocking up to training, doing my program. And then, yeah, 12 weeks later, once your, your whole program's done and you're looking forward to round one, you're like, whoa, like it's just slow and steady. But every training session you felt that little bit better, a little bit better, and now you're, you're here back with the girls doing what you love. Um, and Bobby, I'm very thankful because he's allowed me to do that and he's been, a, I was like, as long as he's happy, yeah, as long as home's fine, um, I can get myself to training and, and do it. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty cool process to look back on now. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. You, I guess there's there's been multiple other women who've been through that process as well, but I think you'd still be considered a pioneer in women's sport because we're kind of at this period where it's becoming so much more professional and so it pregnancy and childbirth has probably more of an impact now on women's careers compared to when sport was more part-time. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think, whether it's in netball or across other sports, do you think there's big areas of improvement that you think could be made after going through that process? Yeah, for sure. I think just the support, um, it's so hard as a female athlete because your prime years are also your most fertile years. Mm. And I just think I just don't want it to have to be a choice. I don't want females to have to choose their career or choose childbirth and think, yeah, I think they have to make a choice and it's actually mm. doable to to do both and as long as you've got the support around you and in, in your team and, and um, your work life as well as your support at home, it's very do doable. So um, I think that's slowly changing in people's minds um, and I think, yeah, the 
people that have done like um I used to look I used to look at um oh Alex Morgan. I watched mm-hmm. the Soccer World Cup. Um yep. just before our World Cup in two thousand and nineteen and I was and then I saw I followed a whole journey of oh she's pregnant and then she wants to come back for the Olympics and I was like wow that's impressive and I think she played her first game four months after having her little girl so that's what gave me another positive reinforcement like oh that's four months okay maybe I can do it so I think yeah the Mm. more people that do it and and share their story and um, put it out there that don't shut people down or but also be very, very real about it that yeah it can Four months is very fast and there's no competition. Like I could come back. I could have come back in a year's time. It was just whenever my body was ready. So not to put that expectation on yourself either um, is really important, I think, too, because you're trying to – it's a big transition at the end of the day. And as athletes, Mm. you're used to being just all about yourself and getting your body right and all about the team. And now that you have a little one, it changes your perspective a lot. But also I think it helps you in a way – in that switch off, switch on um, mm. time in that you go, you go to training, you're there for business and then you come back and you've got this other life as well, um, which is really nice. And I think, yeah, it's one thing that I want people to realise is it's very, very achievable um, and it, yeah, with all the support and it's really exciting to see all that support there too now. Yeah, I love that because I think I guess a big part of what we're trying to do with the Female Athlete Project is all about visibility and it's cool that you're at the top of your game in one sport and looking at someone like Alex Morgan playing soccer in a different country yeah um yeah. that even for you like that that can inspire you so it's it's really cool that you can then get your story out there and what you've been through and hopefully like inspire girls back home or across the world or whatever it is so I think it's um yeah pretty amazing what you've done and the way you're sharing your story oh thank you <laughs> every week on the show I have a question from a five-year-old and from my grandma Um, so firstly, I've got a question from five-year-old Frida. Hi, Brittle. Were you the tallest girl in your class? Oh, she's adorable. I love her name too. She's so cute. Named after Frida Kahlo. Oh, perfect. Yes, I definitely was Frida. I was, I think the tallest girl in the school for most of (laughs) my Mm -hmm. high school years. So, um, uh, I remember someone saying to me in year eight, they're like, you've just, you're just six foot now, but by the time you're in year 12, everyone's going to catch up to you. And I was like, well, I hope so. Cause I don't like standing <laughs> out. <laughs> it wasn't the case. I just kept growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but embrace it. My mum would always say, what would she say? Coat hanger. And I was like, what? She kept saying it to me and she's like, put your shoulders back, like a coat hanger and just own it. She's like, because there's nothing worse. And if you're tall and you're trying to be shorter, cause you, you, you won't achieve it. So just own being tall. Um, and I was lucky I had tall brothers, um, who I was always, you know, trying to keep up with. So I was kind of trying to catch them in height as well. But, um, yeah, I think if you just, you own your height, um, you'll be very thankful for it later on. I like that coat hanger. I like that. From mom. That's good. <laughs> Granny's question is. Hi, Gretel. How has your family supported you through seasons of change in your life? Oh, I love that. Um, oh, family's everything to me. Um, and I think, yeah, they've just, 
we support each other through every season of change. Um, both my brothers played professional sport as well. And mum, I think in a way, she always says, I wish you all just took up normal jobs because this sport, this sporting um, <laughs> professional life is such a roller coaster for everyone involved. And she's like, I just hope at the end of your careers you come out like fine because it's a lot on your your mental, your physical, your emotional um, mm. health being in the, the limelight in sport. And um, mm. But I think just the support, yeah, of, of your parents, they keep it very real, very normal. They yeah. always are big on keeping the balance in your life and, and switching off time. Mum's like very big on, on that. So, um, yeah, I think just they've been so supportive through all the stages and I think especially with my journey into motherhood, my mum, I looked at her and I said, oh, do you think in a way is this being selfish coming back to doing what I love with Bobby, like, do I need to be with him all the time um, as a mum? And and she said, no, I think when she gave me the green light, she's like, Gretel, I th- one, I think you can do it. And, and no, I think it'll, it'll make you a better mum if you're happy and healthy and, and doing what you love. Um, so that was really encouraging. And I think there's times where, yeah, even last the two weekends ago, I wasn't happy with my game and I thought I'd let the team down and, and they were there to support me. And then they came to my next game, even though it was interstate because they were like, we just we just want to see you okay and, and doing what you love and supporting you and they're there for you through thick and thin and, and keep it very real. So, yeah, I think having your family there through all seasons is really important and special at the same time. They ride the journey with you, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They really do. Tell us a little bit about the super shop for people who don't know about netball. So that came into effect when you were um, sitting out last season in 2020. Was that the first time it came in? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, that threw a spinner in the works. I was like, oh, thank gosh I'm not playing this season. I just want to <laughs> sit back and see how this works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that was playing on my mind because obviously I um, don't play with a lot of range and I was like, whoa, this is a this is a brand new challenge. Um, mm. But one that I think you've got to embrace as a player otherwise it is a rule now. So if you don't embrace it, um, mm. you, you don't make it work for yourself. So I've learned to love it. Um, yeah. And it is something that I'm still trying to master. I think that's been the, the one thing that I um, probably need to be patient with the most is getting my head around the decisions around do you take the two, do you take the one? It's a whole new ball mm. game, um, mm. which is exciting. I, I can see I could tell last year why they put it in because it would get to the five-minute mark and I'd be like, oh, how like we're still, we're still in this. Like, or Yeah, yeah for people who don't know so it's in the last five minutes and it's outside how how far outside how far out is the circle yeah i don't know if it's like a couple meters two meters yeah or yeah and and so if you shoot from outside there then it's worth two points rather than the traditional one point yes. in the last five minutes yeah of every quarter yeah it's a groovy new rule and hopefully it doesn't come into the international netball rules <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that um, would make that hectic yeah i wanted to quickly touch on your degree at uni so in 2019 you graduated from griffith with a bachelor of nutrition um how does that kind of fit into your life and and have you used that post post-graduation yeah, I've done a bit of work with um, the under-17 and under-19 Queensland um, netball squads, um, just helping them with their nutrition, but I haven't got around to 
doing too much with it yet. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely a passion of mine though. So I love, um, I'm just introducing Bobby to solids at the moment. So this is a whole new Mm -hmm. journey for us and I love it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's definitely a passion and something that I obviously want to, want to do. And I'm glad I've got, I finally got that degree. It took a while, I think being a athlete and moving into state yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you always want to get that degree but studying is the last thing you want to do sometimes when you're tired Mm -hmm. from training so I'm glad I've got that piece of paper I was happy I sat on it for a while and now I'm slowly slowly starting to um to use it what kind of legacy do you hope to leave once you eventually retire what is it that you like what impact do you hope to make for the next generation of of young kids coming through Oh, that is a great question. I think just following, like, doing what, like, you you want to do, so doing what you love. Mm. So whether mm. that's, yeah, if you want to change sports, change sports. Don't worry about what people think. If you want to have a baby, have a baby. Um, just, mm. yeah, I think just following your heart and, um at the same time doing what you love because if you do what you love you'll you'll be good at it and you'll love it and um and then I think just enjoy it and have have the most fun with your teammates I think playing a team sport is so so good to just always go to training have a laugh see see your best mates who you get to see every day and and you get to call it work at the same time so it's mm-hmm. a pretty amazing lifestyle um being a professional athlete and, and getting to do what you love and see, see your best mates every day. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love that. I'm, I'm a big advocate for that, for just doing what makes you happy. I feel like sometimes there's so much pressure on kids to go to uni and do a specific degree or if you're a really good athlete in one sport, you've got to just keep working that. But I love that. Do yeah. what makes you happy. I finish every episode with three would you rather questions. <laughs> I love this. So number one. Would you rather win a Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final by dunking it or hitting a super shot on the buzzer? Oh, (laughs) super shot on the buzzer, I reckon. Yeah. Number two, in a Com Games gold medal match, would you rather have the game of your life and your team lose by one or sit on the bench and the team win? Sit on the bench and the team win, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) The good team answer. I like it. Number three, would you rather clean up a Bobby Poo explosion that's happened in the bath or in his car seat? <gasps> in the bath. <laughs> you can wash that down <laughs> straight away. Just smush it down the drain. <laughs> He's done both too. Has oh. he really? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, amazing. Before we go, where can people find you on Instagram? Um, G Tippet. Type in G Tippet and you'll see me. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming on and, and having a chat. I've absolutely loved hearing all about your journey and, and the role that your family played, your transition between sports and, and your journey into motherhood. It's, it's pretty amazing. I love um, what you're doing and inspiring the next generation. It's really cool. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Chloe. I've loved it. Love chatting. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you got something out of this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could send it on to one person who you think might enjoy it. Otherwise, subscribe, give us a review and make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Female Athlete Project to stay up to date with podcast episodes, merch drops and of course, news and stories about epic female athletes.